Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, bringing insight and inspiration into how digital technology is shaping our profession. I'm your host, James Meads, tea drinker, expat, and definitely not your typical consultant. Yes, welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast. Thank you for joining us. And we're going back to a topic today that just keeps propping up and just won't go away. Yes, it's the old chestnut of data. And back in episode five, I had Susan Walsh on the show, who was brilliant and is just a really bubbly, amazing person. And she was talking more about the how to get your data in order and why and, and why that's important and what are the steps you need to take to ensure that your data is clean. My guest today is going to be focusing more on the why and how that fits into the bigger picture when it comes to strategy. So to do this, I've invited on the show 30-year veteran in the data space. His name is Scott Taylor and he goes by the name of the Data Whisperer. So Scott, great name. Welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Great. So your passion is making everyone more aware of data and, and what it can do. So maybe first, if you can briefly introduce how you do this and what problems you see, particularly you know, relating to the procurement and the supply chain space when it comes to the, the causes and the effects of inconsistent or poor data. Sure. So just kind of starting off, Scott Taylor, the data whisperer, help calm data down. That's where that moniker comes from. And I really am a fan of the data management side. So versus business intelligence, and we can talk about the difference there and how I see the world segmented, but I'm really on the, okay, where does data start? That's the most important thing. So as people move along their data journey, a lot of attention is paid to where data ends up. Analytics, spend analysis, you know, BI, that's where data ends up. But if it doesn't start correctly, then where you end up is going to be wrong or erroneous or distracting or misleading or some form of what everybody in the data space knows as garbage in, garbage out. So I really reinforce the strategic importance and the power and the enterprise value of proper data management. So where does that sit in an organization? And I know that is quite a loaded question because there is no clear right or wrong answer, but maybe if I rephrase it, what's procurement's responsibility in the overall space and context of this? You know, I think procurement's got to make sure that the relationships, the data about the relationships that they manage is correct, is structured well, is categorized cleanly, is you know, helps build that foundation of the interaction that they have with the vendors that they pro procure from. So where who owns that process? I don't dip too far into the organizational part of that because there's a lot better leaders in the space and practitioners who can deal with kind of the organizational cultural aspect of it. Technically, or not technically, but I think just holistically, it tends to be in, you know, if you've got a CDO, that CDO should have purview over all the data about relationships that any company has. And so there'd be, there'd be a connection there. But as procurement professionals, you want to make sure, you know, part of what you do is you manage these relationships and you manage them to make sure that 
what you are procuring fulfills the promise of your brand. And I look at every business as having the objective of providing value to their relationships through their brands, kind of boil it down. I'm fond of a lot of my expertise comes in just really kind of boiling stuff down to their basic atomic level. And every business, they've got brands. That's what they make. Products, offerings, services, you know, those takes ingredients, materials, all those things that go into building and making and creating whatever they end up selling. And they have to kind of coalesce that value and provide it to the relationships they have. And those relationships, customers, vendors, partners, suppliers, prospects. So for me, it all boils down to, again, the things you make and the people you sell to and buy from, the data about those relationships and about those brands is the most important data anybody has. And that's generally categorized as master data, which is the domain that I sit squarely in and have spent those 30 years, thanks for reminding me of that, uh, 30 (laughs) years in the space on kind of, again, reinforcing and having people understand the true foundational value of that kind of data. So you you touched on master data and and this show is all about digital procurement technology and how it can facilitate and, and elevate our role as procurement professionals to become more strategic and valuable to the organizations that we work for. And one of the recurring topics I hear time after time from guests that I've interviewed is that Organizations often get blindsided by the constraints of a big, expensive technology, you know, digital procurement tool, if you're feeding shitty data into it. So you touched on master data. So let's examine the different types of data in the procurement space and and where you see the common pitfalls. So we've got we've got vendor master data, we've got material master data, and then we've got I guess, purchase order data, which is typically, you know, free text purchase orders for anything that doesn't have a material master, you know, a part data behind it. Could you walk us through what the constraints or what the issues can be in all of those and why it's important to get them right? You know, when you talk about those first two buckets, the supplier master and the second one was material master, right? Yeah. Those are the piece parts of the relationship. And again, those map right back to what I would consider relationships, right? So suppliers are relationships to whatever enterprise you're representing. And then materials go into the building of a product, a service, an offering that is part of the brand of that company. You don't get that stuff right, then you're going to go wrong right away. And... I believe that that data, that master data about your relationships, about your brands, about your suppliers, and about your materials is the most important data any organization has because it is what their company is about. It is what their company does. And so if you pump that bad stuff, and it's the same story I've been telling for 30 years, and I learned it from people who'd been around longer than that, you pump that crap into a really fancy new procurement tool or procure tech environment, that thing isn't going to work, is it? Everything demos really well. So when those suppliers who come in with that fancy new software do a demo, it looks fantastic because the demo data is perfect. But once you put your own stuff in there, yeah, then you then you run into those problems. No, exactly. It's the, it's the, it's the old analogy of if you put a Ferrari engine into a 20-year-old pickup truck. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, there's, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of, plenty of analogy. Food is good. You know, I tell people, all right, so you just bought this, you know, fancy fry pan or this great stove. If you don't have the right ingredients and you don't know how to cook, then you're still not going to eat very well. So it's, you know, whatever analogies we can use to break through to, and my target tends to be the business stakeholder, the financial stakeholder, the C-level representative who has to support the investment in making sure the company's got better data in their foundation. So based on what you've said and about if you put garbage into a ProcureTech tool, you're going to get garbage out and there needs to be a certain degree of homework and due diligence and preparation before doing that. Let's take a step back a little and if we look at some of the high level trends that are going on in the procurement world and connect that to the data space, where does data management fit into this? You know, how is it an important component? Yeah, I kind of took a look at some of them. So, and, you know, from whatever analyst, ongoing digital transformation, that was a big one, building deeper supplier relationships, delivering value beyond savings. These are all things that there is data behind every one of those ideas. And so if data, especially master data, allows a enterprise to scale, what we all want to do. That's what the one of the basic premises of these foundational systems are, which is allows a business to scale, do things instead of 10 times manually, you can do a thousand times or a million times or a billion times, depending on your business situation. All these things, you know, that we talked about, all right, you need the right data in there. So digital transformation, anytime somebody sees the word digital, they should think data. It doesn't always happen, right? especially on the business side. People, oh, I want to go digital. Well, what about the data? We don't need data. We're going digital. So that makes, for someone like me, that makes absolutely no sense. Again, that's like saying, I want a meal, but I don't care about the food. That sounds stupid because it doesn't make sense, right? So same thing. I want digital, but I don't care about the data. Then you're not going to be digital. It's just simply not going to work. So the data behind, let's say something like digital transformation, which is, you know, it means a lot of things to a lot of people, but what it means to everybody is you got more data now than you ever had before, and you got to do stuff with it that you never thought of before that enables your company to do things they never dreamed of before. Really simple way to look at it, but that means you're going to have a whole lot more data, systems, systematic process, all those kinds of things. You've got to get the foundation right. And so it's an age-old story that I'm trying to find new ways to tell but the story's never going to change. If you don't have a foundation, you can't build a house. If you don't have the right ingredients, your meal isn't going to be any good. If you put the wrong gas in a car, it's not going to work. Whatever analogy helps people understand it. But it's always going to be the same story. So these trends, you know, digital transformation, deeper supplier relationships. Again, if you want deeper supplier relationships, means you understand those suppliers better, means you're able to collaborate more seamlessly, you drive more interoperability, you spend less time bickering and arguing over small details because the data is, is structured well enough that you can manage those transactions and that interaction a lot better and you can spend more time on the strategic nature of where both businesses want to go. Exactly. And if you've got 10 duplicate vendors in the system and the PO data that you're feeding in there is garbage because a requisitioner has just written some or other free text that is incomprehensible to anyone but him or her, you're not going to be able to re leverage that relationship because you just don't have 
uh, you know, the holistic spend data and, and, and detail behind it. You're absolutely right. I read one of the blogs that you'd written. You have a concept that you call a 4C. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with this and, and how do you feel it makes it easier then for the business to be able to understand what their what their potential flaws are and where they could be residing in their data management? So I work in master data. Master data is really highly structured. And so to answer your question of how I came up with it, I had to come up with ways to talk about the concept of things like master data to people who had very little, if no data understanding or background. And that's my role I see as myself in the space as a translator between the technical requirements and the business understanding or lack of it and try and fill that in. So how do you talk about it in a way that people can understand it? So I think of these four C's, as I call them on master data, a code, a company, a category, and a country. Really simple. And what I mean by that is that's the basic structure you need on every relationship you have. So if you think of a supplier interaction, that supplier's got a code number, a unique identifier in your procure tech system. It might create it or, you know, your ERP system, wherever it happens to be, you've got a unique identifier for that particular relationship. And that's a code. You know, you have a code, you exist in a database. Then you need to know some form of hierarchy and a lot of spend analysis is, you know, especially at big global enterprises that are dealing with large global suppliers. There can be multiple levels of interaction across the globe with these different entities where you're buying from one company and another division and the sister group. And you want to be able to aggregate all that up by the relationship. And you can't do that unless you have a company structure or a hierarchy parent-child relationship you know, ship to, build to, plan to, buy from, whatever those levels are in an organization, you've got this family tree, right? Then you want the third C, which is a category. And when you're buying types of things or segments or kinds of things, you know, Susan is the classification guru. She works a lot on classifying things consistently. You need that kind of classification structure. What, or taxonomy is another, is another phrase for that, right? Yeah, taxonomy, hierarchy. Yeah, so you've got kind of hierarchy for the company side and then taxonomy for categorization. Yeah, absolutely. And then just because they all start with C, you've got country or some form of geography. And that's obviously really important in sourcing, depending on the material. You know, does it come from this region? Can we get it from that region? Do we need to get it from here to there? So from a supplier and procurement perspective, I would think every procurement executive is going to want to know four things about their supplier right away. Where they are, what kind of things I get from them, who owns them, and that that interaction is unique. And that's what these four C's give you. Code defines uniqueness. A company gives you hierarchy. A category gives you some sort of taxonomy and grouping. And then a country or some form of geography lets you know where it is. So if you have just that, a whole lot of data problems go away right away. And most people, but you've got to start there. And that's what I mean by I'm where the data starts. So when you do a roll up and you're missing a sister division that the business person goes, hey, what about them? You know, where's that piece of data? I, we also work for their, you know, European counterpart or whatever the example is. Or you get a nice pie graph of your spend data and a big 
Lysovitz says other or unknown or null, you know, obviously your data sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And who hasn't seen that? So it's, that's how it expresses itself, you know, in a fancy dashboard or visualization. But if you don't have that stuff right in the beginning and just think about, that's where I tell people to start, start with these four C's, have a code, have a company, have a category, have a country. You know, we can take a Zen moment here right now and think about just all the data problems that go away if you've got that. So just a quick interlude before we move on with the rest of the podcast, just to say that if you are a procurement leader or a finance leader in a manufacturing company and you're struggling to get to grips with your spend, or you just maybe need an extra pair of hands to resolve a specific issue and drive some bottom line results, just drop me a connection request on LinkedIn or just ping me an email to info at Consulting. or just follow the link in the show notes to book a free 30-minute initial call with me so as I can learn more about your business and what I can do to help you. So now let's jump right back into the interview. And, and in fairness, there are technology tools out there that can help you do that. You know, it's not it's not such a straight argument of everything has to be squeaky clean before you can use technology. I mean, there are some. I mean, I'm thinking Tealbook is an obvious one on the vendor data side, and then there are there are spend analytics tools that can help you map some of the dirty data, especially on things like unclassified items and free text orders based on, you know, using machine learning that can sort of try and figure out what it is, even if a description is bad. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot of a lot of technology will spit out complete rubbish unless you've got your data to a reasonable level of cleanliness. Sure. Yeah. And those technologies, those are great. And people are advancing the the work that those technologies do. So I'm not suggesting at all that this has to be done by hand. It's just it, and I don't really have a dog in whichever fight around the how, but I do say you can't get anywhere unless you do it some way or another. Yeah. You've got to have trust in that data. Yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think we're both very much aligned that you have to do it then the next logical question the the elephant in the room is is then all around cost you know it doesn't come for free you know either you've got to put internal resource on it that you're taking off of somewhere else or you've got to invest in the technology or you've got to bring in a a consultant so at some point you're going to have to have a budget to do that so do you have experience of successfully being able to pitch to a cfo who's only interested in essentially short-term bottom line savings, especially if, if they're a public company that has to report to the stock market every, I mean, it's every quarter in the States, it's every year in most other countries around keeping shareholders happy because the good thing about privately owned businesses and SMEs is that they can, they can be much more flexible in thinking about strategic long-term investment, which just doesn't happen in public companies. I think there are public companies that do think rather strategically, but just to the point, yes, I try and get the business side, the C-level leadership, whether it's the CFO or the CEO, whoever it is, to understand the value of this and that it is a program. It's not a project, that it's a long-term strategic investment. It's around topic areas like infrastructure. You know, nobody wants to buy infrastructure, but you got to have it. So there's the analogies to use, which are nice, but poetry alone doesn't get you through a meeting with a CFO. So a couple of techniques and there's no one size fits all. And it's not, you've got to have the financial case buttoned up, 
But what I always encourage people to do is look at what this kind of data and this data management investment enables. When you get caught in a corner and have to show a payout on just making better data, you're probably going to be doomed. A little bit I do is people talk about, well, what's the use case for master data? And I go, that's, you know, there is no use case for master data alone. It's oxymoronic with an accent on the moronic there. It does nothing by itself. It's a great enabler. And you want to try and piggyback on a couple of things. So let's say the organization has this starry-eyed, wonderful, you know, acceptance of this new ProcureTech platform, right? Yeah, it's going to do all these wonderful things. You got to have a seat at the table and say, okay, we got to make sure the right data goes in there. So part of that budget has to include structuring this data in a way that will make the investment that you already think is going to pay out actually pay out. Because the problem with most of those systems, there's a couple of buckets of problems, but one of them is it just doesn't work well because the data sucks. And that that means you lose trust in the, in the users. That means the adoption doesn't happen. There's a lot of you know, residual challenges and problems that come out of just not having better data. So I really try and look at, okay, where's the company want to go? If digital transformation is part of it, and that can be, we want to change our supplier onboarding process. We want to be able to manage spend in a much more systematic and repeatable way. We want to reduce the number of our relationships. We want to, whatever that, be more nimble. We want to have a better, we're, we're, you know, the business is going from selling widgets to licensing the value of our widgets as a service. That's all going to take really highly structured data to get done. And so you've got to find the hooks in those kinds of initiatives and say they all need data and better data is always better. And the more structured that data is, especially by your biggest relationships and your top brands, the better these things are going to work. That, that's a great answer. So what you're saying, if I just summarize that in, in one sentence, is that it's almost like you need to have data as part of your overall IT budget for a digital transformation strategy that includes some sort of SaaS solution um, for your procurement space. Whereas going on your own, trying to sell data transformation, uh, trying to sell data cleaning and data optimization to a CFO is is going to be a much more difficult ask. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be linked to to something else, and I, I pick on a lot of the. Ter- I try and help people tell their data story. That's literally what I do for a living. So how do you how do you make the case? And how do you get more support and more funding for data management wherever it is, whether it's procurement, sales, marketing, you know, enterprise, whatever it happens to be. And so the vocabulary people use in the space right now, I think is relatively ineffective. If you talk about we just need better data quality. That sounds sort of academic. It's not connected to anything. It's really emotional. It's, it, it's completely subjective. But if you say, we just merged with another company and part of the shareholder promise we made was we're going to get greater efficiencies and we want to do that much more quickly. They've got a vendor master. We do too. We need to align that stuff in a much more structured way. So we have a common definition across these two entities for what we mean by supplier. You know, that starts to get into, I think, more tangible areas that people can understand rather than we got to improve our data quality. So 
from your experience and you know you've like 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 we mentioned you've been in this industry a long time and you can kind of argue this from both ways so i'd be interested to hear what what you've seen or what you think is data something that hamstrings large corporations because their IT systems and operations are so diverse and so complex and you know they've often grown by acquisition? Or, or do you see SMEs and mid-caps as having the most to gain from cleaning their data just because they often you know, don't have the more advanced or technical resources or systems in-house to follow what is seen as being best practices? The smaller companies have an advantage because they don't have as much legacy, which is, I think, what you're what you're you know, um, kind of referencing there. Right. So, yeah. But the bigger you are, the bigger you are, the more data you have, the more data you have, the more data problems you have. And everybody's got to get there, no matter what size your company is. So, and the stakes for some of these bigger organizations are much higher now because you can get an SME to come into a market and take you out and do it from the data side. So if they're nimbler on managing that data about those relationships and those brands and they could do it in a quicker faster more seamless way they can take a chunk out of your business when you're not looking so the urgency you know one thing i've seen over the last 30 years is while it's the same story the urgency is is higher the stakes are much higher it's not a if anymore it's a it's a you know when and when is yesterday and so it is more challenging for these big organizations cuz by their very nature they've got a lot more systems they tend to have processes that are already established that are really difficult to change but there's lots of nimble ways and agile ways to kind of get past that for some of the core, at least reporting value of better data, analytical value of it, operationally putting it in place is a little harder, but none of these should be barriers to getting it done. Because if you can't get, let's say your supplier and your material master aligned and structured across your enterprise, then you're leaving yourself open for all kinds of other folks to come in there and take business away from you. Yeah, and you're and you're going fishing blind if you're looking for cost savings or optimization opportunities, and you don't have the right data on your supply base and what you're spending. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, every every buyer wants to know as much about who they bought from as as possible, right? That's where a lot of leverage comes from. Still, okay. So, how much am I, you know? And so, when this, you know, when the head buyer, or the head procurement person goes to the head relationship they've got at a, at a large supplier. They want to make sure they know everything they're buying from them. It's really, these are really simple questions, right? So there's nothing fancy in here. It's, again, it's like the basic meat and potatoes, standard stuff that everybody knows they have to do. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It doesn't sound cool. It's not, you know, what you're seeing TED Talks about, (laughs) but it's the basic stuff. And that's why, you know, I play in that part of it. I'm like, once you get that done, talk to other people. But I'm your guy who goes, I'm sorry, if you want to feel better and be healthier, you got to eat right and you got to exercise. That never been any shortcuts. You still have to do it. So you got to do the same thing with your data. Get it right, get it structured, get it mastered. And a lot of things are a whole lot better. So if we get into the final question, then looking a little bit into our crystal balls, into how things might look in the future, 
Do you think data scientists will be an integral part of procurement teams five years, maybe even 10 into the future? I I hope so. I guess so. I mean, for me, again, I, my messaging and my interaction with data scientists are, you just need better data to do a lot of what you're trying to do. You know, there's this statistics going on out in the market of anywhere from 50 to 90% of a data scientist's time is spent cleaning, munging, wrangling, whatever cute word you want to use, getting the data ready to do what they do. So I see it as, you know, an outgrowth of analytics, right? Business intelligence, some form of that. Yes, more analytics, more meaning out of data is going to give you better results. But you have to determine the truth first. So if you try and derive meaning out of data that's not trusted, that doesn't somehow contain the truth of what your business is about, then that meaning is going to be meaningless. As I'm fond of saying, good decisions made on bad data are just bad decisions you don't know about yet. So, you know, looking forward, sure. You know, whoever's next, whatever is next, I don't mean to dispense with the whole data science world at all. It's just, you know, an outgrowth of analytics to a great extent. But I look at the space time in and go, no matter what the next trend is, the need for data management is actually macro trend agnostic. No matter what's going to happen next, two years, five years, 10 years down the road, you're still going to need well-managed, highly structured data to get it done. And you hit on a really good point there that, you know, a, a lot of the work that data scientists do is actually just wrangling and, and slicing and dicing bad data and making it clean before they can do what they actually want to do. So with that in mind, you know, maybe having having a bigger analyst team in place to clean the data first would be a lot more cost effective way of getting where you need to be. Exactly. You know, I think there's some some opportunities for the data science community to collaborate more deeply, more ongoing with the data management community. Because there's a connection there. I mean, they don't want, data science doesn't want to spend all that. I don't know anybody who's proud as a data scientist to spend all this time munging. <laughs> and, and not all of it. I understand it enough to know, okay, 100% of that munging isn't going to go away. But what if half of it went away because they didn't have duplicates, because they had a proper hierarchy, because the taxonomy was clean, because the geography was right, back right back into my four C's there, didn't I? That's those, the lack of those four things is a lot of the problems that people have on the data science side in terms terms of, of, of making that data, this analytics operational. And just like data scientists don't want to spend all of the time doing the grunt work, it's exactly the same. Most procurement professionals don't want to spend all day dealing with accounts payable problems or doing the latest process box ticking exercise. It's exactly the same in every profession. Yeah. I tell you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So great, great way to think of that. <laughs> Final thing, Scott, if anyone would like to get hold of you and learn more about what you do, I know you've got a YouTube channel as well. Where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah. Thank you, James. So yeah, Scott Taylor, Data Whisper. Find me on LinkedIn. I've got a website, Meta Meta Consulting. We're about what it's about. Um, and we help people tell their data story. If you've got a data story out there that you're trying to tell to get support from your business side and this kind of stuff resonates with you, reach out or, or look for some of my content. So LinkedIn's got a lot of it. I've got a YouTube channel with 50 videos and counting on the importance of structured data and how it helps drive all kinds of initiatives and uh, doing stuff like this with you. So I really, I really appreciate the time to talk to you today. This was fun. 
Pleasure to have you on, Scott. And I will link to all of those in the show notes in case you missed any of those while you're listening to us in your earballs, while walking the dog or cleaning your house or whatever you do when you listen to podcasts, right? Scott, thank you again for joining me. Great to talk to you. Keep in touch and good luck with your mission because you're doing some great work and we need to get this message out. So huge thanks to Scott for coming on the show. And his message really is around awareness raising awareness and how you deliver that message to senior stakeholders to really educate them around the importance of having clean data and having a data strategy. This keeps coming up every time when we're talking about digital procurement transformation. And I really hope it's starting to hit home now because it's something I'm really passionate about as well, that if you have rubbish data, you're going to get rubbish results. And even though some technology tools can help you and assist you to get clarity, if you're going through a major transformation and you don't have part of your IT budget allocated or project budget allocated to cleaning and improving on your data quality, you're going to get pretty much nowhere fast. Take care and bye for now. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the ProcureTech podcast. If you like the show, then please subscribe or even better, why not write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts? It would not only really make my day, but it would also help our mission to enable procurement and finance leaders to become more data-driven through the power of digital transformation.